Thanks for listening to Last Call Confessions. This podcast is intended for adult audiences, and there may be language or references that some listeners may find disturbing. Guest views are their own and not necessarily reflective of the Last Call Confessions team. Discretion is advised. Welcome to this episode of Last Call Confessions. I'm one of your hosts, Austin Rieger, and today I'm joined by Lauren Saranko and Dave Werner as we sit down with entrepreneur and restaurant owner, Casey Grable. Casey has been in and around both the hospitality and entertainment industry for years and has opened many of his own venues and original concepts. Casey has experienced all aspects of the business, and we are hoping to hear some of his stories from along the way. Welcome, Casey. Let's jump right into this. Sounds good. Thanks for having me, guys. Of course. So Casey, how did you get your start in the hospitality industry? And like, what made you want to just turn it into a career? Money. Money was how I got my start. I was, uh, yeah, I was playing football at the University of Alberta. And uh, I uh, had a couple teammates who right as the season ended, moved right into bar jobs. Uh, So one of the guys who was working for us was a head doorman at a bar on White Avenue at the time called Stoley's, which was actually a pretty kick-ass bar for a while. and uh, he got me the job and about two weeks, three weeks into it, calls me up one day on my way to work. And he's like, we don't work at that bar anymore. I'm like, what do you mean? Like I, every job, but by that point I'd been working construction jobs and other jobs for like my dad's friends and stuff. So I was like, I, I, I didn't give two weeks notice. I didn't do any of this proper stuff. And he's like, that's not how it works in this industry. We got a dollar more down the street and a better tip out. So, you know, I'm working as a doorman at this new place in Edmonton that had just opened called Wooly Bullies for this lady from Chetwin, BC, who was a, a legend, you know, truly, you know, may she rest in peace. But she was a, she was an interesting mentor to start my career. But uh, I was watching the bartenders cash out and seeing how much money they were making. And I was like, how do I become a bartender? And uh, so I approached her about it. And she said, well, the only nights of the week that we're busy enough to have a bartender on is Friday, Saturday. So if you can make another night of the week busy enough to need a bartender, then we'll we'll give you the bartending shift. So I came up with the idea to basically rip off and duplicate another promotion that another bar in town was doing. And uh, because of playing, you know, University of Alberta Athletics, I had a pretty good inroads to, to that whole, you know, crew. Uh, launched a, a wing night at uh, this Wooly Bullies bar. And I think our, the week before the sales were 500 bucks. And at the high point, we got it over 10 grand. Um, and she probably about two months in was like, Hey, nobody else has really shown like initiative and drive. Like you have, do you want to be the general manager of this place? And so at 20 years old, she offered me the general manager job, which ultimately just was like, drink a lot, bring people down and try not to screw anything up too badly. And, uh, honestly, the rest, the rest was the uh, proverbial history in terms of, uh, opened my first place of my own a couple of years later, thinking I knew everything definitely didn't know everything. Uh, three and a half years later, um, you know, I had a business partnership that, you know, one partner I haven't talked to in 20 years because of it. One partner still one of my best friends in the world. And, uh, and the business is obviously didn't, didn't do well. So uh, I, I switched, moved to Calgary, switched gears, was a liquor rep for a little while. And then uh, the Hudson's uh, Canada's pub chain uh, came to Calgary and I, I knew those guys pretty well and started working with them and had a really great run with them. Uh, and then Hudson's, you know, started recently started Greta uh, a couple of years, you know, a couple of our partners worked together on that brand. And 
uh, that's kind of my my main focus now is uh, running Greta Bar in Edmonton, Calgary. And hopefully when we get through this COVID-19 running uh, Toronto, Vancouver, maybe Montreal, we'll see. Yeah. So Casey, you're also involved in a few places out in BC, right? Yeah, I, I, uh, about four years ago, I ventured off uh, to do some stuff in BC because I was uh, dating a, a young lady there. And uh, basically the the experience in BC was... I looked at, I looked at completely like picking up and moving to Kelowna. And uh, what I found really quickly was like, there are no good hospitality jobs in Kelowna, especially on the upper management level. Um, so I basically realized I had to open a place of my own, uh, had a, had a lunch at an Earl's with a, a guy that I got introduced to by a mutual friend. And, you know, within two weeks, we put an offer in on a restaurant in Kelowna called Salted Brick. And then, uh, we opened, uh, we, we took that one over and then shortly thereafter, we opened another one um, that's now called Jack's Pizza and Liquor. And then, yeah, recently did a third one. So, uh, yeah, Kelowna is a, Kelowna's a new space that's uh, near and dear to my heart. What's the third one? Uh, we just opened a Diner Deluxe out there. So we opened a Diner Deluxe out there about, uh, I guess, to June of last year. So that's uh, that's what's going on there. So. So Casey, over the years, you've been a part of some hilarious moments and memories at all of the bars and places that you've worked at and owned. Um, what are some of your favorite memories and from where? Honestly, like the, the list is endless. And, you know, just, you know, thinking about, you know, the 20 plus years I've been doing this for now, um, you know, the stories really are all about people and experiences, right? So I think really it comes down to, you know, I can, I can break my hospitality career into several different uh eras i guess like i said you know edmonton have a lot of great memories from edmonton because i was definitely new to the business and i was doing a lot of stupid shit um you know i remember you know earlier i talked about earlier like i think my first manager shift got wasted and she literally was like you have two choices now you can either drink every shift or you can't drink at all and so i chose drinking every shift because like you know that the other alternative didn't sound good and we're talking about a kid who I was, I was pretty serious about sports. I mean, I was not a really good football player by the time I got to that university level, but I was serious enough that I didn't drink a ton, didn't party a lot, never did hard drugs in my life still to this day, which is pretty rare in our industry, I think. Um, but I did like to drink and I had to learn the hard way that, uh, you know, if you're going to drink, you know, if you're going to do this job and be a little tipsy while doing it, you, uh, you have to build up that tolerance level. So the, the stories, you know, really come from, you know, right back to those days where, you know, the very first Red Bull crashed ice when Red Bull, I remember when Red Bull wasn't even a thing, like it was still in the little vial and, uh, you know, you, you, people were drinking this, you know, Red Bull, and then it came out in a can and we had uh, a pretty epic rep back there, a guy named Doug, Doug Campbell, who most people who are older, older than me and my age know well, and this guy was a legendary rep and, Red Bull taught us the, the way to party and the way to be a VIP. And we would go to Vegas every year for the bar and beverage convention, which was just like, a, you know, it basically was like Edmonton and Calgary and other Canadian bars, like everyone from their leadership all showing up in Vegas at the exact same time. And really, you know, for the most part, didn't even socialize outside of that group, but it's just an excuse to have a great time. So, you know, honestly, the stories are endless for me. So I know that I have to personally say thank you to you because uh, you allowed me to get away with more shit than I think anyone has ever allowed me to get away with. 
And I don't know why you just put up with me for some crazy reason, but I would come down and visit you when you were at Hudson's all the time. And uh, I use your coat check more often for my pants than I did my jackets. So uh, thank you for putting up with all my shit during my heyday of learning how to drink as well. I think the key is that you need people who are worse than you around. So like for me, that was my, that was, that was my tactic with you, Austin, was you, you gave it, you gave me the opportunity to be a lot more, a lot more low key. And my shit, my own shenanigans were very limited compared to yours. And I think at the end of the day, you know, like, again, like I think of the, the relationships and the friendships that are built in this industry and they're built in some really strange and weird places. I mean, Lauren, the first time I met you, you were talking British the whole time. Uh, so, and I think it was all in an exchange for a vape or something. It was it no, it was for a thousand dollars. Oh, it was a thousand dollars. Okay, I I just it was that but Take you money. know for that Take money. yeah every memory is just like you know and that's you know you see these people and like people that there's so many intertwined relationships in this industry where you know you might not know someone well but you know everyone around them. You know, I had a meeting last week with somebody and, and literally she knows everyone I know and I know everyone she knows. And I'd never once, uh, never once had like coffee with her or talked to her about, about business, about, uh, about the industry or about personal life until it just all kind of worked together. But uh, I, I think doing, doing the fun stuff is, is what it's all about. And I mean, it's definitely the best way to get, you know, to be remembered. I mean, you know, pants down shots is kind of a, an Austin trademark that I kind of miss. You may miss it, but uh, my wife definitely does not. <laughs> all this, all this growing up and getting wives and children. That's just, I don't know. I think there's part, part of the industry. Don't is the worry. Whole, I'm the still, whole, yeah. I'm Smart still young lady there. I'm still part young. of the, the fun of this business is the Peter Pan thing, I think, where you, you never get older, right? You know, I think Dave Erner might have a little bit something to say for that for many, many years of, uh, of never, never, never aging one bit. So, you know what, buddy? It's we surround ourselves with young, fun people. We we work in a extremely fun, motivated uh, industry, and I truly believe that that is a part of it. And I I truly feed off the people, and I enjoy being around the people and growing and learning from you know today's youth. And I totally agree with you that you know being around those people is just like it, it keeps it keeps us young. Right. And it, it just keeps us driving forward um, because without them, we're, we're stagnant where we become old and our ideas become old. But, you know, those next generations, they teach us a lot as much. Right. As much as we think we know everything, they still teach us because we got to reinvent that wheel time after time after time. So, yeah, yeah. that's off to oh, that, for sure. the young, young industry and young generation out there. Now, Casey, you had the opportunity to go to the Red Bull Crash Dice in Quebec. I believe, uh, you know, I've been there. Uh, what a, an amazing experience it is. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, for sure. I mean, honestly, it's probably probably the one of the more unique experiences and definitely something that just like left an indelible impression on me in terms of like the level of class that Red Bull had um, combined with the lack of class that I had on that trip. Uh, just you know turned it into a, a pretty epic memory I mean as I said like Red Bull is definitely like I would say the leader and in way back then I think they even were above and beyond like you literally like got off your plane and you went you know you got given a, a Red Bull by a, a Red Bull Wings girl you got on the bus they had you know Red Bull swag for you you checked in your hotel room in a kick-ass boutique you know Quebec City hotel and you were taken care of uh, 
I think the fun parts of the story really start the next morning. I, I was, uh, I was on that trip with a, a bunch, like a, you know, a lot of Edmonton, Alberta bar people that were all kind of put together. And, uh, I woke up the one morning and I think the two activities to do, and I was, I was one of the only people who went on that trip by themselves because the, the restaurant I owned at the time was not doing a lot of volume. So couldn't justify two flights on us and two uh, sets of accommodations. So I ended up pairing up with a guy named Chad Blake, who at the time was running a, a place in Edmonton called Bar Wild. And uh, Chad was pretty legendary and definitely, definitely uh, would, would drink me into the ground many a time and, and uh, definitely earned uh, all the reputation he had at the time. And we, we got it. We were at breakfast that morning and the two activities you could do, one was ice, ice wall climbing. Um, and the other one was literally, you know, the, for the people who I guess brought a spouse with them was like a, uh, like a sleigh ride through downtown Quebec city. And, uh, Chad and I both were like, well, what do we do? What's the, you know, we didn't bring the proper clothes to do the ice climbing. We kind of thought maybe it wouldn't be appropriate for the two of us to do this romantic, you know, sleigh ride. So we ended up doing neither. We literally hit the buffet. We put all this fresh squeezed orange juice. Red Bull had given us backpacks and thermoses. We filled it up with Red Bull, backs, uh, Red Bull, uh, orange juice, and uh, we literally went around town and, and obviously vodka. And our goal was to see who could finish their bottle of vodka first. And so we went to like malls. We went up and down the streets. We were just absolutely the most obnoxious people in town. We were like, we want to do things that are French. So we would go to the store and try and buy like a baguette. And like, and I actually knew, knew French decently well, but we were just those idiots from, from Canada uh, or from Western Canada, I guess, at that point. And uh, everything we did all day led up to this, you know, this beautiful dinner. And I'm on the way to dinner, literally, we, I, I think Chad made the bus get pulled over to go. I think he bought a toboggan, but like a Hugo Boss toboggan at a high-end clothing store. We got to dinner and we both basically had to tap out of this dinner the first night, just because of the the craziness of the day um and then the next day was was the actual big party and the big party was tommy lee was the dj and that was at the heyday of you know celebrities turning into djs and being rock stars and obviously i think tommy lee i think was right in his pamela anderson phase so one of the girls we were with had, had talked to him and gotten us up up backstage and uh this party was so epic that literally we drank out all the vodka there was no vodka left in this party so we had to start drinking gin so we're doing shots of gin and that, you know, I, I don't think anybody, I would never recommend doing shots of gin uh, in whether you're sober or not, and definitely not to end a night. So I ended up doing all these shots and the party was at like a armory or like a, there's a badass location, but I was like last man standing, nobody around anymore. Like the, the cabs had left the, the, and like they had proper get people home service and everything. And uh, I was literally like stranded in the middle of nowhere and couldn't remember my name, let alone the hotel's name, let alone the hotel room. So it was just, it was a disaster. I, and I honestly, I can't even tell you to this point exactly how I pieced it together, but I ended up getting back to the hotel, I think at like about six, seven in the morning and crashed, but forgetting that I had to be up at 10 to fly. We we're actually flying to, to Vegas for the bar and beverage convention the next day through Newark, New Jersey. And I literally, I had people banging on my door to wake me up in the morning. I finally made it back to the airport, but like, I have no idea how I got out of Quebec city alive. So I definitely like drank my weight in Red Bull and vodka that trip. So, and like, I, you know, still first class experience. So appreciative of Red Bull for that trip because it definitely showed me how to, how to treat clients. Right. And I have no idea how they invited me on future trips after that though. How's, how's your love for gin these days? 
I, I, it's same as my love for Sambuca. There is none. <laughs> just, yeah, those, those, those are two things that I just, I, I, it doesn't matter how much tonic or, or lime you put in a drink. I, gin just doesn't go well with me anymore. Doesn't go well with much. Fair enough. Fair enough. Definitely not as shots. So Casey, you've mentioned uh, the bar and beverage convention in Vegas a couple times here. Now yep. I know you went there quite a bit back in the day, but is it true that you never actually made it to the convention despite going to Vegas for it? And how did that happen? Yeah. I mean, I think it's a claim to fame. I, I would like, I would like to think that there's not too many people who can say that every year, I think it's a late March, early April, you know, it was on my calendar, like clockwork from the time I was about 23 until late, you know, mid to late twenties. And every year I would go every year, I, I would have intentions of being taking it seriously and learning and going. I didn't even make it to the floor of the trade show, let alone any of the actual like conferences. Like I just, I literally would go to Vegas on that trip. And the second I landed till the second I left, I was just on like high speed overdrive, like Vegas for a guy like me, who's got like ADD and just like, and in the hospitality industry and especially, you know, fairly young at the time. And, and just learning about, you know, <laughs> learning about like this other world outside of Edmonton, Alberta in the, in the restaurant bar business, um, you know, Vegas obviously hit you with a million different, you know, different lights, cameras, action, the whole deal. And from the second I landed to the second I left, I was just, on, I was on fire um, in my own brain, at least, you know, maybe most people around me probably didn't feel the same, but it definitely led to a lot of fun stories though. You know, it, you, those hours you would spend in those conventions, I, I didn't, I didn't waste those hours. That's for sure. Okay. So you, you had a night that somehow started out at high rollers with you drinking chocolate milk and <laughs> ended up with a $10,000 dinner. No, like, the best part. Uh, no. So, uh, so it actually is backwards. It started out with a $10,000 dinner, ended up with me in a high rollers lounge, drinking chocolate milk with cool ranch burritos. And, uh, at the time, my drink of choice was Jack Daniels and cranberry juice, uh, which is a, a, I don't think too many people have chosen that as a drink as in their lifetime, but it doesn't go well with chocolate milk. I'll tell you that. But, uh, yeah, to give a little backstory, that was early in my bar, my restaurant ownership days. And, you know, we literally went on this trip with like not a penny to our name. My partners and I have no idea. We, we had booked the flight. So I think we felt compelled to go. But uh, ultimately, so yeah, we, we were on this trip and we were, we were the little guys in this trip. And the only reason we were invited to that $10,000 dinner was because one of our partners was running a nightclub in Edmonton uh, for the group who actually, uh, you know, owns, uh, owns Hudson's and ended up being my employers for many years. Um, but we ended up kind of latching onto this dinner that the, uh, the rep took care of. Uh, There's the, the three liter bottles of Massey Amarone coming out. It was, it was a crazy dinner. And after dinner, we sat down and we went to, uh, we went to a play uh, blackjack myself and my one business partner and uh, one of the one of the more well-known Edmonton uh, leaders in the bar industry at the time joined our table and I, I'll, I'll leave him nameless in this story but uh, he started gambling and he uh, he was known a little bit for enjoying gambling a lot so he actually had a, a little bit of a limit on how much money he could take out so he ended up borrowing some money from somebody and uh, he ended up doing very well and the whole time, he knew, you know, he knew that my partner and I who were sitting at the table with him didn't have a lot, a lot of cash. So he kept stacking our bets for us. So I'd bet 25 and he'd give me another 25. And if I won, he'd let me keep the 50. And if I lost, he, you know, he wouldn't care. And we did this for, oh, geez, four or five hours to the point where at one point, the, all the tables around us were done. They were vacuuming around our table. 
And like, and we were on, on fire. Like all three of us were like, had won thousands of dollars at this point. And so we ended up, only reason we went to the high roller lounge is because they shut our table down and we basically were like, screw it. Like, where can we go play? And they're like, well, you can go to the high, high roller lounge. So started the night barely playing, you know, 20 bucks to my name, ending the night betting. I think my biggest hand was I had a split that was $1,800. Um, so it, it was pretty epic. So, but I, it ended up paying for that trip. And, and I think it actually paid my rent payment at the business I was running at the time when I got home. Thank God. But uh, yeah, I mean, the, the, the server who came to the high roller lounge and asked us what we wanted to, to order when I, when I ordered the, uh, the chocolate milk, the Doritos chips and the, uh, and the Jack Daniels and cranberry. I've, I feel like she'll still remember that to this day. If you asked her about her most strange order in high roller lounge history, I did tip her hundred bucks though. So. I know I've been to Vegas once, thanks to uh, thanks to Dave, and it was an absolute disaster of a trip for me as well. I'm the type of person that like you need a leash on me in Vegas because I disappear. Yeah. But one of the things that I do remember is uh, going to the Rhino after I went on a heater on a uh, table. Now I have my own memories of the Rhino, but I hear that you were a VIP at the Rhino when you were there. So I would, I would love to hear the story about uh, the Spearmint Rhino. Yeah. So, I mean, the Spearmint Rhino obviously is an epic, epic spot. You know, it's not as, it's not as amazing on like a Monday, Tuesday in the middle of April. I'll tell you that the, uh, the ladies working outnumber the uh, clients those nights. And so I was, I was on one fully into, into the night and, and honestly, not a, not a huge fan of going to, uh, to the strip clubs in, in general but that night uh, that was where the crew wanted to go so I complied and I actually about an hour into being there I probably had to, had to turn down you know 25 opportunities for lap dances which obviously those opportunities come at a cost which again I think this is actually potentially the same trip where I was broke as a joke and um, it turned into the point where like I just like in my brain I thought this would be a good idea to come up with a reason why I couldn't get a lap dance rather than continually basically just being like, well, I can't afford it or, or just leave me alone. So I ended up, I had a buddy of mine with me and he was, he was having a good time and I ended up coming with this crazy idea that he was, he was the future prime minister of Canada, you know, a great title that no American person would ever know that there's not such a succession plan in place and that I was his head of security. And uh, I started really believing and vibing with this as the, as the night got on. And as I, started telling people and so I went from just telling like the, the dancers that I was working to other patrons and uh ended up chatting with one of the the one of the you know supposed owners of the establishment as well and it was it was quite the uh quite the experience being the head of security I I was like putting my hand on my ear pretending I had an earpiece even though I had nothing nothing in my ear whatsoever um it, it honestly and it dragged on it was it was a good two hours and uh it, it culminated when I was a little too overly aggressive with a group of, of gentlemen who, uh, you know, looked like they were a lot tougher than I, any people I would have met in Edmonton, Alberta. And I, uh, I may have told them to, to back the fuck off of the future prime minister of Canada, which then turned into a little bit of like a, you know, a, almost a kerfuffle where I, I, I was told to, rem- to remember that a lot of people do carry guns in, uh, in Vegas. And, uh, that it's time to go home from Spearmint Rhino. So, and honestly, I don't think I've been back. So, you know, I, I left on a high note. I hope that I have like, you know, something enshrined there for being the, you know, one of the biggest idiots in the history of, uh, of that place. But I will say one of my other trips there, I, I did spend 
quite a large amount of money to the point where I think my business partner had to had to cover the last part of my tab because I, uh, I I may have passed out in my chair and been been kicked out. So uh, I don't know if I ever paid him back for that either. I'll have to give Kevin a call on that one. Now, I, I have one other thing that you had said to me when we were chatting earlier about this. And this is, I, I don't know the details behind this, so I want to hear it, but Vespa scooters with stuffed animals. Oh, fuck. You, well, I mean, Vegas is the land of opportunity, right? Like, just literally, like, you can be doing, and I mean, it's not the smartest things in the world. That's that's probably the biggest component of Vegas that I just, you know, I, I think about the experiences I had and the stupid shit that we did. Like, you know, like, so that the, you know, the Vespa shooters, we were, we went to Margaritaville, Jimmy Buffett's Margaritaville, where they had the yards. And it was like one of my first experience with the yards. And I don't know how much alcohol, I don't know how many yards we had, but literally outside this, this epic, you know, Margaritaville was a, a very well-known spot back then they had a guy renting Vespas. And so my business partners and another friend of ours, we rented Vespas and like, didn't even think twice that we were intoxicated, you know, at the, like truly, and I'm not, not super proud to say it, but didn't even think about it. Cause like, it was just part of this like whole thing you get caught up in of like, Hey, like we're just having a great time. We end up going to like old Vegas and like, I don't think it was the golden nugget, but right by the golden nugget circus circus, I believe uh kind of in that same area and we ended up going to circus circus and instead of winning money we won stuffed animals and i won like this epic you know like i bet you it's my size you know i'm six feet tall like it was as big as me and so i'm riding around vegas on my vespa scooter i think i still had my yard and i basically was being wrapped or had my had my big stuffed animal wrapped around me and uh yeah i, I remember coming back to the pool at the at treasure island with this huge stuffed animal just thinking i was like the greatest thing in the world and probably not recognizing that every single person was thinking that, you know, I, I needed to go to bed. And that was like at four 30 in the afternoon. So I think my record in Vegas was four days, four hours sleep. So, you know, I think, and that was like a forced four hours sleep. So I, I definitely, when I, when I went on those trips, I, I went a hundred percent. I gave it my all. My coaches would have been proud of me. Now, Casey, sticking with the Vegas theme, oh man, you're making uh, just hearing these stories. You're making me miss Vegas, and I can't wait to travel again and, and go to Vegas. And maybe we should all go to Vegas together. But uh, you know, is it true that you played roulette with Flavor Flav? I, I did, yeah. So that was he was filming Flavor of Love. We had no idea. We were staying. We were at the Hard Hard Rock. It was actually like, yeah, Lawrence, Lauren, yes. This was, and it was when he was with the, the notorious, I can't even remember her name, but she was the, like the most notorious female character. He was actually on uh, Natalie. I don't know. I don't remember her name. They're also the weird, the but name. she was like very angry and mean. Like she was in New York. She Maybe yeah, her name I was New York. I remember her. I remember um, her. Play yeah. Shout so out they were, yeah, yeah. They were actually at, having dinner at the pink taco at, uh, you know, one of the greatest restaurant names of all time. And um, they were having dinner there doing filming and we were all kind of figuring out what was going on found out that you know that was flavor of flav and doing a reality show and just happened about two hours later we were in the casino and we we're playing roulette there's a group of about six of us and we we're definitely the most vocal loud annoying group in the casino and uh it must have been good tv for them so he came over and started playing with us and he, he got this real affinity to one of my buddies <laughs> they, and they were just having a great time and literally the, he left his date sitting there the whole time he didn't he didn't even pay attention to her the second he got to our table he was just all about playing and having fun with us and he wasn't like wasn't dropping a lot of money or anything crazy but he the guy that he really liked hanging out with my buddy uh brent jones had a glass eye 
And so he got fixated on this idea of wanting to take the glass eye out and play roulette with it. We never did. It never got to that point. Oh my point. God, you should have. Well, I, don't, I don't know. I never, and I never asked Brent this. Like, I'll ask him after this. That's a good thing about this show. It brings up memories. I'm going to ask about my IOUs. I'm going to ask why we didn't take the glass eye out. Because I feel what? like it actually, I don't think it pops out like you see on the movies. I think that's why we didn't do it. But like it's like, it, it's in there. Yeah, I think it's in there. So, I mean, I, I want to Google this later. You, you, I'll let you know. I'll message him after this. He's a he's a good friend to this day, and I'll, I'll be like, "Hey, what was the reason we didn't let Flavor Flav do that? Because why wouldn't we? Like that that would have made the story even better. So uh, much better. So much better. But yeah, no, it was, ended up being a pretty fun experience. And then we were really hoping that when it aired, we would actually be on the episode because I guarantee we were the funnest part of the night. But we didn't we didn't make the cut on that one. So I had to I had to my resources to make sure my next Vegas trip I was even more epic when it came to TV so if you like what you're hearing please don't forget to give us a rating and write a review on your favorite podcast streaming platform it helps us out a ton and allows us to keep producing great content while you're at it make sure to check us out on Instagram at last call confessions and give us a follow for all the up-to-date info on the podcast Okay, now speaking of epic TV uh, Vegas stories, what happened with The Bachelor? So The Bachelor, literally, we were on our last day of a four-day trip to Vegas, second last day of a four-day trip to Vegas, and I got this phone call. We had snuck into the pool at the Mirage. Again, again, not, not guys with lots of money back then, so I had to pull some strings and do some interesting stuff. And I got a phone call uh, from my manager at, to the restaurant I had back then called Sapphire. And they're like, hey, there's these people in here. They say they're from the TV show, The Bachelor, and they want to shut the restaurant down and they want to film an episode here. And like right away, I'm like, there's no way it's the bachelor, like the actual bachelor. I'm like, I'm not shutting. We again, we didn't have a lot of money back then. So I couldn't shut the restaurant down for a night. And we end up finding out that it's like ABC's The Bachelor, a couple Edmonton, uh, very, very well-known Edmonton legends as well had the uh ended up getting on the show and they made it to fairly far into, into the show. So one of the girls had made it to the hometown section of it. So it ended up being, you know, that I spent five hours in the pool. I had one phone. I was talking with ABC. The other phone I had was talking to my good buddy's uh, brother, who was a lawyer and try to figure out all the logistics of, of how to get on the show, what, what to do. And I ended up making a trade. They were willing to give us five grand uh to rent the venue for i think it was 24 hours which would have been decent for our small little place but the alternative was if we did that they wouldn't show our signage wouldn't say where they were or anything like that so we ended up trading that off for making sure they had to put our sign on and everything and i ended up flying back the next day from vegas um and you know ended up being on an episode of the bachelor which was uh which was a pretty cool experience and it was the one with the back then they weren't doing famous people so it was Charlie O'Connell, whose brother Jerry was somewhat famous actor. Charlie, not so much, but it ended up being a pretty, pretty fun scene to to make it back. So every time I go to Vegas, something crazy happens, something wild and different. I don't know. It's probably why I don't go to Vegas anymore. I don't need that in my life anymore. Give me a heart attack at this point. That's hilarious because meanwhile you're like trying to sneak in the mirage. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> very unimportant. Very unimportant people. Felt felt, felt very special though. That was back in the uh, back back in the Miss Hawaiian Tropic days. I think that's how we got in. A friend of ours 
was uh, doing some Miss Hawaiian Tropic action. Ooh. <laughs> now sticking with the uh, Vegas theme, uh, is it also true that you gambled with Mariah Carey's crew? I did. I, uh, this was actually my most recent Vegas trip. So I wasn't even, it was only like 10 years ago. Um, but I was playing blackjack every night. The guy I went on the trip with was a client of mine because I was still a liquor rep at the time. And um, he went to bed super early every night. We'd go out for like an epic dinner and then he'd go to bed. And so I would, I, I would go gamble by myself. And uh, we were staying at the Bellagio and a couple nights, I think it was our second night of the trip, this crew of like five or six really, really large black men came and sat down at our table and my table and uh, ended up playing cards and, you know, did pretty well. And, and as the night went on, started to chat with them a little bit. And they told me that they were the one guy was, you know, her main security and this was his team. And, and we happened to win a lot of money that night. Uh, not me, especially, but these guys won a lot of money. Uh, and so they started, they nicknamed me Canada. And so for the next two days, wherever I was in the casino, they'd be like, they'd yell, scream, Canada, Canada. And literally, like, I was just with these guys, got to, they were, she was filming her, I can't remember what video Mariah was filming, but she was filming a, vid a video in the nightclub, which was the bank, I believe, back then. Um, and uh, got to check out the, uh, got to check out Mariah Carey's video, came pretty good friends with one of her, uh, one of her main choreographers as that trip went on. So still in touch with that person to this day. And, you know, I think, I don't know if I could use the resources to, to uh to turn another epic vegas story in one day but uh yeah just the most random stuff always happens in vegas to me so you know i i yeah i, I miss vegas like you said earlier dave but uh it's probably also not a great place to have on my high on my list of places to travel anymore i get in enough trouble in Kelowna. i don't need to go to vegas so obviously this past year has been a tough one in the hospitality industry as we all know however your favorite word seems to have become pivot during all of this. I know some big things are coming at Greta Calgary. Are you able to share what's happening? Yeah, yeah. I mean, favorite word is definitely, uh, you know, not the, not the correct term. I don't think anyone in any industry, let alone, but definitely the hospitality industry wants to ever have to pivot again. But, you know, literally it's, it's, the, it's, the, way of, it's the way of the world right now. So uh, it's been a long, hard year, but, you know, we really believe in what we're doing. Uh, like I said earlier, you know, we're working on new locations in different cities uh, across the country. Before COVID hit, we were looking at a, a location in Denver. So uh, we really want to grow the brand. We really believe in it. We, we think it's a, an amazing time and a unique experience. Um, so one of the things we did do, we, you know, to, to turn it into a fun story, we, we were told by some good friends of ours that the, one of our previous tenants had looked into the space next to us to confirm that you could actually put a rooftop patio on there. And so we were like, oh, we're going to do a rooftop patio next door. Started talking to the landlord, worked out a deal. He's like, yeah, no, they, the previous tenant, they, uh, they, they confirmed that we can, we can put the load up there that you need to, to have 300 people on a roof. We bring in our engineer and he's there literally for five minutes. And he's like, I don't know who the heck told you this, but literally this building is potentially going to fall down, not let alone, let alone put a rooftop patio on top of this building. So we ended up getting creative and we came up with this idea to, we're calling it an alley patio with the mindset of very like Chicago, New York, where, you know, you'll be walking down the street, you'll walk by a business. And then right after the business, they'll have kind of a side street patio. Um, so we're actually like ripping the roof right off the top of this building next to us. Um, and 
putting a retractable roof in and play in place. So it will be, you know, the ability to open and close as, as needed. And it's going to be basically a three season patio that we can have open all year. It's going to have arcade games, probably the only, only patio I know of that will have arcade games still on the patio. Um, and yeah, it would be a super cool vibe and definitely something different for, for Calgary and definitely some, something different for 10th Ave as well. So yeah, yeah, pretty excited about it. I'm excited about it. Can I come? You hundred percent. You three will be, as long as you're a part of my cohort, you guys will be invited or we'll have to get you three separate tables, whatever works. You guys choose. We'll decide where the, lo- we'll decide where the restrictions are, you know, two months from now. I'll, yeah. I'll book a table for my immediate family. There you go. That's, <laughs> I appreciate that. Uh, Casey, I want to say thank you so much for taking the time to come on and share these stories. You have some amazing stories from over the years. And uh, I, I definitely am missing Vegas and all the other just fun times from Hudson's from Greta from everything I still haven't had a chance to jump out to Kelowna and check out Salt and Brick and Jack's but hopefully this summer I'll get the opportunity to do that uh, I just want to say you know good luck with absolutely everything that's coming and I'm really looking forward to uh, checking out that Greta patio when it comes awesome thanks for having me guys I really appreciate it of course thank you if I don't see you in Calgary I'll see you in Kelowna definitely more likely Probably. Casey, and c- congrats on all your success. We're looking forward to uh, what's to come uh, in the future for you and uh, the growth of all of your companies. Uh, before we go, can you tell all our listeners where they can find you? Uh, yeah, I mean, obviously, I'm, I'm at Greta. If you want to come say hey, I'm, I'm definitely one of those people who will happily uh, partake in uh, purchasing a, a shooter here or there uh, or a delicious Greta burger. And, uh, you know, Instagram. Uh, at Casey Grable, Twitter, same thing. So, you know, definitely, uh, definitely down to share some fun stories. Thank you for listening to this episode of Last Call Confessions. It would mean the world to us if you could make sure to give us a rating and write a review on your favorite podcast streaming platform, as well as give our Instagram page, at Last Call Confession, a follow. If you're interested in becoming a guest on the podcast, make sure to send us a DM. From all of us to you, wherever you're listening, thank you for making Last Call Confessions part of your day.